Welcome to the Cotton Club Crew Podcast. This is our first edition of the Sunday Show, and we're going to give you guys a little recap of the Big 12 and everything in the Big 12 landscape. My name is Chris, and I am happy to be joined by Joe, who is a little new here, but has already made his mark and got in on the Tobias interview episode and has been doing solid since he started here. So, Joe, how you doing today? I am doing great, all things considered, on this Sunday afternoon here in Raiderland. Yeah, definitely not the series ending to the uh, baseball game that we wanted, but, you know, I mean, it's good to win the series, but definitely would have liked to have seen the Red Raiders come through, pull out the sweep against an Oklahoma team that is very, very beatable, but nonetheless, still solid to get the series a win, I think. As we were talking before the show started, Texas Tech should probably win every series going forward. And especially, I think the West Virginia one, like you said, should be the hardest one. But uh, we'll get into Texas Tech stuff later in the week. Right now, we're going to dive into the Big 12 landscape, both on the baseball, football, and basketball things. So without further ado, we're going to get started on baseball. And I think the biggest, biggest note in baseball from the conference this week would have to be Texas and Baylor. So Texas took game one. I think they won it pretty handily, but, you know, Baylor kind of put up a fight. But the second game is where I'm going to let Joe start talking because, boy, Texas went into the ninth inning with a 9-5 to lead. And, uh, Joe, why don't you just let the fans know what happened after that? Well, it was kind of... Kind of interesting what happened from there on out. I didn't get to watch the game. I just was able to watch some of the highlights and things like that. But, you know, as a Tech fan, as all of the listeners, I'm hoping are all Tech fans as well. I mean, let's just take it and 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 just, you know, take this moment and just smile. I mean, watching, watching Texas just kind of fold there at the end is always great to see or any kind of Texas program i mean not that i'm have any ill will towards them or anything like that but you know it's just one of those things they they had a lead they they squandered it late i mean with some bad pitching there was a there was two i believe um two hit batters in that bottom of the ninth there um that which kind of started this whole rally for baylor and um it was it was you know Texas had been, you know, riding a pretty high horse. They got ranked after they swept us. You know, they were doing very, very well going into this series. Um, that was one that kind of got away from them, you know, thinking that they were probably going to sweep Baylor because Baylor's kind of been on a on a pretty heavy downslide this year. And they ended up getting the sweep, but I don't think it was anything as easy as they, they thought it was going to be to begin with. So um, they squandered that one, and then they barely won this afternoon as well. I think it was like a six to seven kind of score. So very, very close. Baylor had their chances. They just couldn't seize those opportunities. So um, would have liked Baylor to at least get two out, two out of three against the Longhorns. They only got one, which we'll take. But, you know, Baylor's, like I said, is on, on that little down downward spiral. Texas is kind of just, you know, playing – 500 ball right now it seems you know just kind of skating by yeah i think you hit the nail right on the head there i don't know how texas could possibly lose a nine to five lead in the ninth inning against a team like that but you know i love to see it i'm not complaining at all but uh 
One that uh, probably was a little bit uglier in terms of just the opponent that you're losing to, TCU. I mean, it started off ugly, put a little Band-Aid on it in the second game, and boy, did it come crashing down today. TCU just lost a few, like less than an hour ago, maybe a little bit longer, to uh, UNC Wilmington, a team that is uh, has a very bad record right now. Actually, it's not too bad of a record, but it's not the type of team that a TCU team should be losing to, a ranked TCU team at that, but probably no more because UNC Wilmington uh, took the first game 14-6. to I think TCU gave them a taste of their own medicine that second game, and UNC Wilmington kind of just put the nail in the coffin in the third game with another pretty wide margin of a victory. So uh, this UNC Wilmington team, I think that they are, they also had a victory earlier in the year, I think two victories against Eastern Carolina, who's ranked right now. So, you know, it's not to say that UNC Wilmington is some sort of scrub, but I mean, TCU definitely went on that series thinking that they could probably sweep if not win it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, it was kind of it's, – it's actually awesome just to see them fail as well. Um, getting beat in your own backyard by a team that, I mean, is a solid team, have a solid record, and has some pretty decent wins in there. But, you know, just to watch them go into Fort Worth and, and drop two on, on them Horned Frogs was, was a sight to see, especially in the box score notes and things like that. So um, they're going to have to come back. I don't, I'm not quite sure who TCU – has left as far as the next big 12 opponent that they see. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to turn right that ship if they want to make any noises, you know, cause the big 12 is as wide open as it's ever been. There's not a clear front runner. Who's like going to run away with the, t- the title um, regular season title that is um, right now. So if they want to be in contention for that there towards the latter end of the season before the Big 12 tournament starts, they're going to need to right that ship on some, on a couple different fronts. Yeah, TCU has a one game uh, against Lamar next, and then they actually get West Virginia, who is the next team I want to bring up. They actually just uh, won the series 2-1 to one against Oklahoma State, took the first two, and then uh, lost today, but... Solid outing from the Mountaineers, who are going to be another topic as we get into basketball in a little bit. But for right now, this uh, West Virginia team is on the right side of uh, a pretty solid season. And they, you know, this Oklahoma State team, ranked number 18th right now, uh, getting a series win against a team like that, I don't see how they aren't ranked next uh, during these next rankings. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, TCU definitely – Pick the wrong time to lose the series because I think they should handle Lamar pretty well. We'll see. But the series against West Virginia is going to be pretty telling for if this uh, TCU team is going to find, going to get on the right foot heading into those Big 12, uh, heading into the Big 12 conference play or the uh, tournament play, or if they're going to, you know, maybe be one of those teams that are just going to barely make the playoffs and then eventually kind of bow out pretty early. Yeah, West Virginia is kind of an interesting team. I mean, twenty-five and eleven overall streak, nine and four at home, fifteen and seven away from from Morgantown. I mean, they've played some pretty solid teams, and you know they just find ways to win. And watching them play against Oklahoma State, I mean, just a couple of different um, highlights that I was able to see. Play sound defense. The the pitching is overall okay. I mean, it's it's just the if we're talking what for what it's worth, I mean, it's kind of like Tex, 
text pitching. You know, sometimes they'll get a good outing from the starting pitcher. Middle relievers will take over the game, you know, kind of go the length up towards the end and they'll, they'll shut down the opposing teams. And, you know, they're like I said, they're just finding ways to win. So I believe that and for all of the tech people around, that's probably going to be one of the harder opponents that tech has left on the schedule, three games in Morgantown and in, in a little bit over a week. So that's going to be the next tough one for us. But yeah, those Mountaineers are, you know, making the noise and they're still, they're still in this contention for the, the regular season, big 12 title. I mean, like I said, or like I said a while ago, I mean, they're, there's not a clear leader. So, I mean, anybody, you know, they make that, that jump and then they make the right strides and they get on a hot streak. I mean, you could be potentially looking at a big 12 um, regular season champion there. Yeah, I agree with you. And actually another team that is actually second right now in the big 12, especially after they just swept the series against Kansas is the uh, Kansas state Wildcats. They are nipping at Texas is uh, heels. And I think, if my math is right, since uh, Kansas State actually won, they're ser- they were only a half game behind. I don't know how updated this thing gets, if it's daily or if it's on uh, Thursday or Friday before these series play out. But they could see themselves tied. Or no, actually, I think Texas would still have one less loss. But they're right there with Texas as the number two team in the conference right now. And uh, right now the ranking is just a little update. Look, as Texas, Kansas State, TCU, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Baylor. So you can clearly see that Oklahoma and Baylor both being able to get a game from Texas and Texas Tech was not good for the Red Raiders and Longhorns prospects, but it is what it is. Kansas State's another team that's, I mean, they're at the top of the conference right now. They should make some noise, and we'll see. Maybe they can even uh, take that conference title away from Texas or, you know, the team like West Virginia can come out of the woods and do that as well, but... I think the last one that we kind of have to bring up, unfortunately, just a quick breeze by is Texas Tech. They uh, won the series, and the first two games were pretty solid. Obviously, that uh, 10th inning in the first game was beautiful. But today, not so much. Uh, to losing this one to uh, Oklahoma, a little bit disappointing, especially in the fashion that they lost it in. I mean, you never want to see you know, a 12-2 loss, but... It is what it is. I'll let the other guys get into that one. Unless, did you have any quick thoughts about that one as well? Um, other than just, you know, like all of the positive notes there from the first two games, um, Gavin Cash, you know, doing Gavin Cash things. I don't know exactly how many home runs and how many RBIs, but I think it was four plus, four plus home runs, 10 RBIs for the series. It may have been more. Um, I didn't have today's stats in that, in that what I'm saying, but I mean, that kid just continues to impress. Same with Gage Harrelson, you know, all of those kind of bright starts. Um, the pitching from from Free yesterday, the 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 nine strikeouts. I mean, how great is that to see, you know, a person not named Brandon Beckel go and dominate teams like that? So I know we'll probably touch on that a little bit more during the week on some other pods and stuff. But, I mean, those are kind of the high notes. Yeah, it kind of sucks that we had to end the weekend off with a loss like that. But, you know, that goes to some of our middle relieving pitching. Um, and then I'll just kind of leave it at that for right now. Yeah, understandably so. Not the most exciting way to end the week, but it is what it is. We'll get them next time. Uh, the one thing I wanted to touch on for football, actually, was pretty big news. I know um, 
probably the biggest story coming into the season as far as recruiting and maybe even just overall. Uh, Texas, of course, somehow, some way, finds themselves in the headlines, even though they probably don't meet those expectations on the field. But uh, this one's a pretty big one. Uh, so coming into the season, we knew Arch Manning, high recruit. I think he was the number one overall recruit at, like in this class. And he uh, came to Texas. Quinn Ewers was still there. Malik Murphy's still there, although I don't think that's going to last very long. But, um, yeah, we saw Quinn Ewers uh, show out in this uh, – spring game that they had a couple days ago. I think it was yesterday even. But, um, yeah, no, Quinn Ewers won the job it was announced, which I think it is pretty early to call the job, but also probably not too early if you kind of understand. And I'll let you get into it with your thoughts. I think you made some pretty great points in the pre-show. But, yeah, no, I think that uh, this is pretty much the outcome that most people saw happening. Although, you know, Arch Manning did have all the hype behind him. I think that Quinn Ewers is probably – the, if not a top two or three quarterback in this conference right now. He's insanely talented, and I hate to say it because he goes to Texas, but giving credit where credit is due, he's, I mean, the highest recruit ever at the quarterback position. And just his arm talent, I think that he's going to lead this Texas team to big things in this, not even just the Big 12, but the last season that they're in the Big 12, maybe nationally. I mean, if if it's going to be one of those two guys leading them, I think Quinn was obviously the right choice. Yeah, whenever Arch decided to go to Texas, I didn't. I honestly didn't think that he was going to have a chance year one. Obviously, the talent is there, and I'm never going to discredit a Manning because no Manning, all the way up up that family tree, has ever disappointed whenever it comes to football. So this, so don't, so. Everybody listening out there, this is not taking anything away from Arch Manning. But me personally, it just was, it came down to this. I mean, um, if you're looking at apples for apples, you know, quarterback comparison, one next to the other, Quinn Ewers played at South Lake Carroll, um, 6A school, Texas football, as big as they come in the state. Um, and Arch Manning, Louisiana kid which would his high school, if it was brought over to Texas, wouldn't have equated to more than a 2A school or a very small 3A school, which is not discrediting any schools or players coming from um, high schools that small. It's just that that competition level isn't quite what you see um, on a daily basis as you are in Texas. It's like almost like a Big 12 basketball kind of deal as what we consider here in Texas high school football. So I thought he was going to have to make some huge, huge strides, you know, moving forward. And he did okay. I mean, you you did as good as, you know, you expect a freshman to do in a spring game for the first time in college. I mean, getting your feet wet, things like that, had some misses, had some overthrows, also staring down a couple receivers. But, you know, people make those mistakes. But I never thought at the start – of the season or whenever Arch decided to go to Texas that he was going to overtake Ewers for, for that primary position at quarterback. Now, will he see some playing time? Yes, that's quite possible given injuries and things like that. But I, I honestly think that this is the right move for Texas. Don't really care for Texas, but um, from a football standpoint, just like you alluded to, you just, you know, giving credit where credit's due, Ewers is a better fit for them right now, right now.
I agree with you. I think that um, the uh, highlights, that I saw something on Twitter that was pretty much a cut-up of every snap that he took. Seemed like he wasn't able to get an opportunity to kind of take those deep shots. I think he did a few, but for the most part, it seemed like they kind of just had him uh, like in the baby version of the offense. It seemed like he was you know, doing the little rollouts, RPOs, and he definitely was staring down his receivers a little bit longer than you'd want to. Had to make a few runs. I think he had a pretty long run um, in the middle of the uh, game. That was honestly pretty nice. Seeing the wheels on him, I know obviously in high school, especially against the competition that he was playing against, those poor kids, uh, he was just he just looked like a monster running the ball. But it's nice to see that when he's running in the college level, it actually kind of looks similar, and he looks like he's pretty fast for a college quarterback, which you don't see translate a lot. A lot of athletic quarterbacks in, uh, or supposed athletic quarterbacks in high school don't really have the wheels that they do in high school compared to college when the guys are a lot faster. And if anybody knows anything about the Mannings being as great as they are, it is me, a Patriots fan who has suffered defeat twice to Eli Manning and had a fair share of heartbreaks to Peyton Manning. So I agree with you there. I'm never going to count out a Manning, unfortunately. But after that football talk, we're just going to get into some basketball talk. I think this will be a uh, pretty hefty conversation to have because there's a few teams out there that are kind of making some big moves or are potential big moves. I think the best place to start is none other than West Virginia, who just recently picked up a commitment from Jesse Edwards from Syracuse, who as soon as he entered the portal was a really sought-after guy. And you see West Virginia being able to come away with him shows that Bob Huggins might be back. I mean, this West Virginia team picked up commitments from Kirk Creesa as well as Jesse Edwards and somebody else I completely forgot off the top of my head. I know he was pretty highly touted, but, yeah, no. I mean, what are your thoughts on this West Virginia team going into next year? On on paper, it's it's pretty scary. Um, you know, it's you're not trying to call it too early. You know, the, a lot of those guys come with a lot of um, – talent and they've also played in in big time conferences and big time you know positions you know it's not like some mid-major coming over who's averaging 10 and 10 you know you have a bona fide guy coming from Syracuse who is a walking double double protects the rim you know West Virginia you know prides themselves on being hard-nosed tough and tough defense and to be the center point of of what they have moving forward I mean I you know I could see them making some noise in the Big 12, you know, with all the different additions to the Big 12. I believe that's going to start this year as well. So, I mean, it, it's they're loading up, and I'm not saying that they're back or anything like that, but on paper, I mean, they're just as good as, or they don't have quite as many question marks on the player forefront as some of the other teams in the Big 12. So I'm actually excited to see what he can do in the Big 12. Um, I think he'll he'll do good. I think it was like 15 and 10 is what he averaged at Syracuse, and those are those are pretty damn solid numbers there for Syracuse for sure. Yeah, that's one of those teams. Uh, I think we'll get into it in the last segment that I got planned, but uh, definitely one of those teams that might have that type of meteoric rise from the bottom of the conference to or not the bottom, but maybe like the middle of the conference, uh, possibly contending for the uh, Big 12 title. But we shall see. Another team, unfortunately, Texas, that I want to talk about is uh, news that I don't no commitment or anything like that, but it's one of those things where you see a crystal ball and uh, 
from the 247 website and you see two guys who are pretty well respected in the as far as crystal balls going where they uh and for those who don't know what a crystal ball is it's basically when people on the website uh, who are connected to the recruiting aspects of things whether it's uh, football or basketball they will give their prediction their crystal ball prediction as far as where they think a player will go and i think a player that was a long shot to go to Texas Tech. I don't think he was ever coming to Texas Tech or really ever taking the visit, especially with the head coaching uh, changes that was going on, but had the Oral Roberts connection that we saw with Kevin O'Banner. I mean, Max Asmus, if you don't know him, you haven't been watching March Madness uh, or really paying attention to college basketball much because Oral Roberts has been one of those teams ever since they upset, had that uh, Sweet 16 run where they beat Ohio State and Florida. They are a team that is uh, that. It was Kevin O'Banner, and then it was mainly Max Asmus, their guard who is crazy, sh- uh, crazy shooting guard slash point guard. He can ball handle as well. And right now, two guys have him 100% crystal ball to Texas. So, I mean, Texas still has a lot of talent from that roster that went to the Final Four. Yeah, they went to no, the Elite Eight off in Miami. So the Elite Eight Texas team that uh, still is going to return a decent amount of talent. I mean, they have that had a pretty talented team regardless and they might lose a few guys but just what is what do you think the impact will be that Max Asmus will have on that Texas team if he is in fact going to that Texas team um I believe it's um Max Abrams I believe is his name the Oral Roberts kid and I honestly think it had tech from pursued Jackis, right? That's the coach of there, Oral Roberts. You know, to become the next head coach, I I think that'd be a non-discussion on where he would be coming. But since we didn't hire Jackis and things like that, I I honestly would rather see him at Kansas State, um, just because I don't like you know the rich getting richer there in Texas. You know, and he may go to Texas for all I know. He's a great ball ball player all the way around. I mean, he's. He just scores. He finds ways to score. He breaks defenses down. He has the elite vision. He has elite finishing at the rack. He has elite free throw shooting. I mean, this kid just has it all. You know, he's he's as well-rounded as any player there is in in college basketball right now. And, you know, if he goes to Texas, you know, it is what it is kind of deal. If he goes to Kansas State, you know, we're going to see them twice, you know, one way or the other. Um, I would rather not see him twice a year, but, you know, that's just kind of how it happens. But he's a great talent. Um, I can't say anything bad about the kid. I don't know him personally, just other than what I see on tape. And when I see on tape, it's it's just it alludes to just kind of like a, um, a Ben McCollum in a coaching search kind of deal. It's like the resume kind of speaks for itself. Just, you know, everybody's going to want him. So... He's a, like I said, he's a great talent. And, you know, if he goes to Texas and, you know, the rich get richer again. I did actually just check the pronunciation. You were right. Max admits, or, well, I forgot what you said it was, but whatever you said it was, that is actually what it was. I, for a- some reason, Abrams, I, I believe. I think I, I heard you say that earlier and I was like, I think it's Abrams, but I didn't want to fact check you on the spot. And I still happen to fact check you on the spot. My bad. No, you're good. I'd, re- I'd rather get it right. So thank you very much for that. But yeah, he's, I mean, he would easily be, of all the guards that Texas has pretty much gotten these last few years, I know when Marcus Carr came in, he had a lot of promise out of Minnesota. Uh, there was Hunter Jabari Rice, 
Hunter. I, there's all these guys that come to Texas that I think they do solid. I think that they, you know, Texas, especially when Chris Beard was there running things, it was kind of like it was at Texas Tech where, surprisingly, there's only a few guys that are going to stand out on offense. It's mostly defense, defense. And the offense that he runs doesn't really support having that type of, you know, 25 to 27 points for a game like, like Animus was. But uh, I'm just going to call him Max, actually, because that's just like such a tongue twister. But yeah, Max, um, like Max is. But I think with the head coach now and the way that they're running this team now, I mean, you saw a few great performances in the NCAA tournament. I think that Max is going to, you know, take this Texas team. I mean, how, how much further can you go from being in the elite eight, I mean, there's the final four in the national champion, but once you're in the, once you're in that top of the food chain, you're basically there to stay and, you know, anything can happen in March, but Texas is pretty much solidified going to still be around as one of those teams that are going to be tough to beat. And when you add a guard like him, it's makes things a lot tougher on, you know, when you're a Texas tech fan, having to play them twice a year, but I still think we're going to beat them. No doubt. But Regardless, one more team that I want to kind of touch on, actually two more that I want to touch on. Kansas, just a quick note, they're getting, uh, they're going to have a guy visit tomorrow, another one of those guys that's crystal balled, 100% to go to Kansas, so we're going to see. But Harrison Ingram, Stanford transfer, he's one of those uh, slashers shooting forward, small forwards who can kind of do it all on offense. Had uh, 31% from three uh, this past season. Not too great, but still... Chucks them up, shoots them pretty good. I think that if you get into a program like Kansas, those kind of things will kind of get evened out. You're going to be playing with a lot better players than you are in Stanford, not having to chuck up a bunch of threes and try and be the hero for the team every week. But he's a guy that always put up double-digit points per game. He is, you know, a solid, pretty much getting to the hoop, mid-range guy. He'll be long on defense, which is what Kansas likes. He's just going to be one of those guys that is going to be a problem to see at Kansas. Any quick thoughts on him uh, before we get into the last team that I want to talk about? Uh, he's just um, essentially a, a younger Jalen Wilson. I mean, the measurables are kind of similar. And what Jalen Wilson kind of did previously, you know, in early on years at Kansas, you know, with the, the three-point shot not quite following as much, but, you know, being able to get to the to the rack, finish there, his mid-range is – is elite. He's six seven two thirty. I mean, that's a that's a pretty sizable guy right there. And you know, he creates matchup problems on you know the defenses that switch a lot. You know, that's just what the Big Twelve kind of does. So, I think he's going to be kind of a perfect fit there um, for Kansas and Bill Self and the crew there. Which you know, like I said, they're just going to always you know garner that elite kind of talent to come back to to them. And I. I believe I've heard and read somewhere that Hunter Dixon or Hunter Dickinson from Michigan is on is he's high on Kansas and Kansas is high on him. So that may be something that we need to touch back up on next week when we when we do this um, week week recap. Yeah, I did not catch news of that, but um, that would definitely put Kansas. I mean, not that they lost anyways, but they are kind of losing a few guys. They're losing Grady Dick, I know, and might lose a few other guys from that roster. If you add a guy like Harrison Ingram as well as a guy like Hunter Dickinson, I mean, that is that is going to be unfortunate to play against. Let's just say that. I mean, 
Hunter Dickinson, what I will say, he is, I mean, an offensive weapon. He is amazing on the offensive end. Defense, he's one of those, I, I mean, I'm not comparing him to this guy at all. I don't think he's going to be what this guy is in the NBA, but like he's more of like a Nikola Jokic compared to like being a defensive stalwart. Like I don't think he's going to be this shutdown defensive player that's going to de- prevent anybody from going to the paint. I think he's more known for his offensive side of the ball. He's obviously tall enough and probably smart enough to be able to get blocks here and there, but I don't think he's somebody that's going to be like those defensive centers that Kansas has kind of had in the past that has made them the juggernaut that they are. But adding him, I mean, they're just going to be an offensive. They're going to they're going to crush a lot of teams with that offense, and it's going to be unfortunate to watch as a Tech fan. But you know, it is what it is. Like you said, the rich get richer. The last team I wanted to talk about was the TCU Horn Frogs. They made a few moves here in the off season. I think the biggest one. Unfortunately, was Eddie Lanskan. We all know he kind of posted the text messages between him and coach, and or I think it was him or his mother posted text messages between him and his coach, and he kind of commented on it, whatever. And then he transferred to Colorado, which is going to be a big loss. I mean, TCU still, you know, made the NCAA tournament, won a game, but uh, you know that's still going to be a tough, uh, tough loss not coming back next year. They didn't really have him for much of this year, but. I mean, Eddie Lampkin, as we saw two years ago in the NCAA tournament, that matchup with Arizona, although they lost it, I think watching him against Christian Coloco from Arizona, that was just so fun to see. He's that type of energy player that you like to see. He's not the most talented on the offensive side of the ball. He's not going to be really much of a shooter, but he is a presence there in the middle. He's a guy solid on defense, solid enough on offense, rebounder, just pretty much does whatever he can to get a rebound. So... That's going to be a tough loss for them. They did add a few guys. I know you wanted to talk about a few, but, I mean, they just pretty much added a few solid guys. I think the most notable guy that they added was a uh, point guard from Delaware. His name is slipping my mind. I actually just Jameer. but Yeah, Jameer Nelson Jr., I think that's what it was. Yeah, so, I mean, solid guy from Delaware. Put up a solid point per game average at that school. And one of those mid-major guys that's going to have an impact I mean, they're losing Mike Miles, pretty much been the heartbeat of that team for the past few years. Uh, but a type of guy that can kind of step in and fill that role, maybe be a different type of player, but is going to be solid for the Horned Frog. So I'll let you take over the rest of the Horned Frog talk. Yeah, that Eddie Lampkin deal is, you know, going to is is pretty solid as far as you know, like as far as big time losses for them. Yeah, as far as points and stuff, he didn't quite put up all these points, you know, consistency and things like that. But, I mean, he was a presence um, down down low, his rebounding, his defenses, you know, altering shots, things like that. He, You know, so he will be missed. Um, but, you know, between the three, I think it's the three that they've already um, got pledges from or the Jameer Nelson, the Travion Tennyson, I believe I'm saying that right. Um, he came from A&M Corpus Christi, um, averaged 15 a game and shot 40%, you know, from behind the arc. And then Isam Mostafa, Coastal Carolina kid, 6'9", um, averaged a double-double, 12 and 10. So, I mean, by committee, um, losing Lampkin and Miles, both is a big blow. But, I mean, to have these three guys come in, with you know pretty solid resumes themselves the blow is is big but it's it, it's a little lesson now with those three guys all coming in so 
I expect some pretty decent things out of those guys, and I expect them to be another solid a solid team in the Big 12 um, coming up this year. They definitely should be. I agree. They are definitely one of those teams that's taken advantage of the transfer portal. I mean, it's going to be a different look for TCU, but I don't know if it's going to be much of a fall-off. I think they're still going to be pretty solid there. But, um, yeah, that's it for kind of the team talk going over that. I kind of just want to ask a few questions, kind of see where we're both feeling about these things. But uh, I know it's super early, and a lot of teams do not have their uh, roster set much at all. But as far as basketball goes, as I kind of said before, of these teams that we talked about, maybe if there's a different one, actually, I mean, I wouldn't really count it. Oklahoma hasn't really gained much. They've kind of lost a few guys, actually. But what do you think about this uh, West Virginia team and – you know, just how they could possibly do next year in the Big 12 landscape. Do you think that they could really, especially with the guys that they've just added, maybe a few guys that they lost that are going to be a little bit detrimental, but do you think this team and what they've done to add to this roster could actually put them in contention for the Big 12 championship next year? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and this is after last year, I'm done with, you know, preseason Big 12 rankings because look what Kansas State did. You know, they were predicted last and look at the run they had. And they had a lot of transfer guys as well, you know. And so what Tang was actually able to do now, if it's all Tang or if it's all, you know, just a, a group effort to get them to that point is great. But, you know, those preseason rankings don't don't hold any water for me anymore. You know, that's all on paper. It's what's actually going out on the court, who's leading them. Huggins, as much as I hate him, you know, for the kind of guy he is off the court, his on the court resume kind of speaks for itself. What kind of teams he's had, what kind of winning percentage he has, how hard it is to actually go into Morgantown and beat them there is is a tough feat. You know, a lot of people have struggled with that. You know, that's just kind of like coming into Lubbock and just, you know, waxing tech here. You know, those things just don't happen often. So coming from my standpoint, I believe that, you know, given how Kansas State did their run last year, I think it's it's very much so in play that they have a shot, a legitimate shot um, at, you know, taking over the Big 12. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be in contention. I mean, they've kind of fallen off the past few years, obviously had a tournament year this year, but definitely just. You know, one of those teams I think is going to be up there with Texas and Kansas, Kansas State, kind of making a run for it all. Um, another question I want to kind of go over you with. So uh, we started uh, off with baseball talk. Going to kind of go back to that for the last question here. So right now, as far as it stands in the Big 12 standings, there are six teams that are kind of clustered there at the top that I think are going to possibly contend for that Big 12 championship. So. They are as follows, Texas, Kansas State, TCU, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. All of them are now in the double digits of losses. Obviously, uh, there's a few of them that lost a few more games than the others this week, but for the most part, it's a cluster at the top of the Big 12 for baseball. Is there a team or two, and I guess we can include Texas Tech into this one, but uh, since it's an overall kind of Big 12 question, uh, do you think there's a team or two on the top of your head that would possibly be your favorites to kind of finish at the top of this conference? Or do you think maybe one team is kind of standing out? Or, yeah, I, I, I think that there's probably a good enough cluster here to 
say that there could be two or three that you kind of have, but I'll let you take from here. Do you think maybe your two or three favorite teams to kind of finish at the top of the Big 12? My three going in, and then I have a sleeper, which would be the number four. Um, it'd be Kansas, and then this is in no particular order, Kansas State, Texas, Texas Tech, and then my sleeper is going to be West Virginia just because of how they've been playing ball and things like that, and they have a pretty favorable schedule moving forward. So I believe that they could actually make some noise too. Um, Texas kind of got on that hot streak earlier in the season to where they won um, quite a few straight. So, I mean, that's very, very much in play for them to do that. We have a very favorable schedule moving forward as well as far as games and games and where they're being played at, you know, here in Lubbock. And that just, you know, typically we just tend to win here. So I, and then Kansas state, I just, they've, they've just done enough, you know, and they've played competitive. They've been as consistent as can be, and they're all right on up there. There's not really a clear leader. Like I kind of said earlier, but between those four teams, I believe that one of those teams will, will come out on top and, you know, who, who knows, it could be a co- a co-champion, you know, before the actual Big 12 tournament starts. You know, it's just that kind of season this year where nobody, like I said, has has just jumped off the pages and said, oh, hands down running away with the Big 12. That just that just hasn't happened. So I, I, I truly believe it's it's going to be one of those four if I was if I was betting and putting money on it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, obviously Texas Tech, being a Texas Tech fan, we kind of know they have a few injuries that are looming right now. Dylan Carter and the conversations that I've had with Jack and just kind of looking around, seems like he's going to be back for the last part of the season. So if he's coming back and if we can get our bats, I mean, it, it feels like the bats aren't really the problem, maybe a little bit inconsistent, but, you know, we definitely are capable of putting up enough runs to stay in contention. It's mostly just that relieving pitching that, kind of closing pitching that has kind of nipped us and the efficiency of the bats, I would say, have also kind of been a little bit of a detriment. But if a couple of guys come back healthy for Tech, I don't see, like you said, why they can't be in contention. I do think that these next rankings are going to be kind of telling to see uh, kind of how the committee, not necessarily the committee, the like the rankings see the Big 12 because the highest ranked team going into this week was Texas, I believe, no, Oklahoma State at 18. So we have Oklahoma State at the top, and then we have Texas at 19, Texas Tech at 21, and TCU at 25. So to Oklahoma State did lose that series to West Virginia. I don't think that they're going to fall out of the rankings. I think that they're probably going to be in that later 20, the like 23 to 25 part of it. Texas Tech and Texas both won their series. So I personally, I think that they're both going to move up. And then TCU obviously losing to UNC Wilmington is going to probably kick them out of the rankings. And then, like I said earlier, West Virginia could probably take over. And even Kansas State. I mean, we might see five ranked uh, Big 12 teams right now, but I think I'll be a little bit more uh, less optimistic. I'll say we're probably going to get four in the rankings, which would be pretty nice for the Big 12, uh, you know, picture. There's a lot of, no team in the top 10 right now, which you would really like to see, but it's just college baseball. I mean... Some teams are going to be, you know, that's just kind of the thing that happens in the Big 12 with a lot of sports you see. It's just they kind of beat up on each other. It is what it is. But uh, that'll kind of be it for this podcast. Um, it was a great show, great first edition of the Sunday show. Um, 
Yeah, so every week we'll be doing this. I think most of the time it's going to be the Big 12 show unless we have something big to talk about and we kind of want to go over that mostly on a Sunday. But for the most part, it's going to be overarching of the Big 12, kind of what's going on there, just to give you a, a look as something different than Texas Tech because obviously we all like to know what's happening with Texas Tech, but the guys do a really good job of that throughout the week. You know, we try to do our best job of giving you the best in-depth coverage for Texas Tech as we can. But, uh, Joe, it was great to talk to you, great to get you on this podcast that we're going to do together, and I think we're going to do great things. Uh, any last word for the listeners? Most definitely. It was a pleasure actually getting to do this with you and looking forward to what we could build this into on Sundays. And just want to just do a small uh, touch base on this. I know that everybody kind of heard the news earlier this afternoon about Jalen going into the transfer portal as far as, you know, basketball is concerned. A lot of conflicting reports out there where he is, where he isn't. Um, We heard it from Tobias Harris first, which is as probably as solid as, as, um, you know, people come as to get information. Um, But, I mean, just like we've kind of alluded to on previous podcasts, I mean, please do not go and blow up these guys' DMs on Twitter or whatnot or calling for their heads. I know we love tech, everything tech, and it's easy to get kind of caught up in the moment. But at the end of the day, he has to do what's right for him, Um, good, bad, or the other, with us or without us. If there was something issue between McCaslin and him, you know, that's, you know, so be it. But don't go and blow this kid up like he's he still didn't, you know, leave Texas to come to us. And then he kind of just got dumped in in a shitty situation that kind of led to this. So just, you know, just for all those tech fans out there and stuff, take the high road. They're all kids. They listen to shit. They watch Twitter. They see what we're saying. Don't let them leave here with a sour taste in their mouth. So just, you know, just just a Sunday thought from me personally. And then, I mean, that's just how I feel. I agree with you. I mean, we kind of all saw what happened when Kevin McCullough left last year. That was probably not the best look from Texas Tech fans. I mean, albeit he did go to Kansas, and a lot of people had some harsh feelings about that, kind of saying that, oh, Kansas is our rival, quote-unquote, and uh, we're up there with Kansas. And as we can see this year, we're not as consistent as Kansas is, and regardless of if they're in the Big 12, we're not really rivals with them as much as we are like a team like Texas. So getting a guy like that to come from Texas to Texas Tech and kind of give us his all is all you could ask for. He's a great kid, probably just, you know, testing the waters, didn't really stay in communication with the coach as soon as he uh, got here. So whatever you see on Twitter, just kind of take it at face value. Don't, you know, turn it into this big thing. As Joe said, I mean, these guys on Twitter, they, they're pretty popular, but they also don't have as many followers as you say, you know, like these high level athletes. So, you know, they're going to see what you say. And if they see consistently Texas Tech fans are, you know, you're just saying ignorant things, not really going to make them want to come back regardless. So, you know, let's just be nice and be kind to everybody because, you know, life isn't all that serious. You don't got to, you know, it's a Texas Tech team and we're all passionate, but at the end of the day, it's a basketball team. It's not the end of the world. So uh, with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you next week.